Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 84, with Woo-hoo. my good friends, Dr. Scott Wright. How are you doing? Doing well. Just uh, enjoying the 78-degree weather here in Austin, Texas. Yeesh, 78. But it's 78 today and sunny, but tomorrow it's going to be 38. So we're going to have a 40 degree drop in one day. Wow. That is, what? that is, that it's is ridiculous. Yeah. It's insane. So yeah. Anyway, but I'm doing good. You'll, you'll make it work. You'll make it work. Yep, yep. Um, for our Instagram friends, we are taking questions over at mapped.tv. That's where uh, we pull our questions from the YouTube channel. So go over there. We'll hang out with you. Uh, Dr. Scott, right. You are the former director of admissions at UT Southwestern. Yep. Um, lots of pre-med students love to see that title. What is your one biggest piece of advice for a pre-med student? relax (laughs) i love it and they're like no don't tell me to do that (laughs) chill out (laughs) yeah yeah it's a a, you know i mean when you get all anxious and wrapped up and overthinking everything it just can be so destructive so try to just chill yeah um all right well thank you for that uh wonderful piece of advice that yep. probably no one will listen to yeah exactly <laughs> they, they're not gonna like that um Verenia Granum, how are you doing i'm doing great thank you hello hello former assistant dean in the pre-health and stem advising office at hofstra, hofstra. university yes the harvard of long island that's yes. what we like to call it <laughs> um <laughs> what is your biggest piece of advice for the pre-med student? Oh, um, I mean, I echo what, what, what Dr. Wright just said. Um, it's very, very draining to constantly yeah. be anxious about this and overthink things. Um, so as much as possible, keep things in perspective, right? Yes, this is important. Yes, this is a grueling process. But think of the bigger picture. Keep that in mind to keep yourself motivated um, and try not to let, I mean, you could be using that mental energy on other things, basically. Don't, yeah. don't, you know, don't exhaust yourself in this so process. So true. So true. Yes. Queen well, of the pre-med thank, universe. Thank I you love it. Queen of the pre-med universe. Oh. <laughs> um, Why, thank you. Thank all you. right. <laughs> if you are new here to Ask the Dean, we are here every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern uh on instagram i i kind of restreamed to instagram but we are on mapped.tv and premed.tv as well as uh, a couple of our facebook platforms as well um and we're here to answer your questions so we take the questions from mapped.tv typically um or premed.tv any of the youtube channels all come in here so that we can um we can we can answer the questions for you and dr skyride i'm gonna throw it over to you to uh, start answering or asking some questions here yeah let's go for this one here so albert asks how important is it to have a specific event addressed in the personal statement 
for me, my passion to become a physician started since childhood and got bigger as my grandmother got cancer. So this is a, you know, I think this is a pretty typical question that we get in, in terms of in your personal statement, how do you, you know, do you need to address a certain sort of, you know, what we like to call the seed, but is there, is it got to be one specific, you know, thing? I mean, what do you think about that, Ryan? I, I think the personal statement is all about why do you want to be a doctor? And if this thing with your grandmother, your grandmother having cancer is a big part of why you want to be a physician is a big exposure for you to to go, oh, like this healthcare thing is really important. It's really interesting. Then it, it should go in your personal statement because the personal statement is why do you want to be a doctor? Show me the reader your journey to how you got here. Um, and so I I think it should go in there. Now, should it be the whole essay? No. But it, it potentially is uh, part of your essay. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I'll also add to that: you also don't have to outline every single step that, or every single event that led from childhood to where you are now. <laughs> um, and, then, and, <laughs> and then, and then this yeah. happened, and then that happened. Um, generally speaking, yes, this might be your seed, but in in general terms. Um, you know, talk about how this uh, impacted you and, and sort of started you on, on your path. Yeah. yeah. there There's a really good um, quote. I'm trying to pull it up here if I can find it quickly um, that a student gave me. Um, she was in Application Academy and she, uh, let me see, where is it? It was the uh, interview. All right. So. She was struggling with her um, with her why do you want to be a doctor question in her interview that that was she was struggling. So she got to the interview. She was struggling with it. And the interviewer stopped her. And, and Scott, to me, that's like, oh, that doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to stop and calm you down mm -hmm. uh, and be nice to you. The interviewer stopped her and specifically said, I can see you're struggling with this question. And it surprises me because your personal statement was one of the best thought out, well kind of told stories that we had read this year. And we knew after reading your personal statement why you needed to be a doctor. Hmm. That to me is the perfect testimony to what a personal statement should yep. be. Absolutely. I get to the end and I understand why you need to be here. Yeah. And so he stopped her surprising and said, calm down. Like we're good here. Yeah. Just relax. Yeah. Your personal statement is fantastic. That's obviously why you want to be a doctor. Let's just kind of, let's go and reset. So yeah. um, great testimony. About good for, and good for that interviewer. I mean, yes, you know, yes. to, to do, to be willing yep. to do that. I mean, that that's awesome that that interviewer did that. Yeah. Um, so Albert has a follow-up here, right? Sounds cliche, but I don't really have a specific event. This one of the biggest kind of mistakes that students think is like, it's like I woke up in the morning, got hit on the head. <laughs> that that kind of hurt. Um, <laughs> um, and and it's like, oh, like I need to be a doctor because of this one thing that that happened. That's that's not the normal story. So yeah. don't worry about that. 
Yeah, I had a I had a um, young lady yesterday that I did a session with, and she very similar situation where she felt like she didn't really have a specific event that could be that sort of genesis moment for her. And, uh, and so, but as we talked about it, she said, you know, I, I, I said, well, tell me about your first recollections yeah, uh, as a child. And, uh, and she said, well, she didn't want to re- She didn't like to read. And so her mom knew that she liked the body, the human body and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So her mom bought her an Atlas of the human body Nice, because she knew she would read that. Yeah, it had pictures, <laughs> and it had pictures, and and yeah. she would she would get into it, you know, and uh, and and to the to the level that she gave her mother for her for one of her birthday presents one year, two resin eyeballs. <laughs> nice, and the Love mother it. put them in a little jar and kept them on her desk at work, and I was like, these are great stories, yeah. you know, these are so cool, yeah. you know, yeah. That's yeah. good. Exactly. Exactly. That's good. All right. Exactly. Good question here. Yeah, here's a good one from Muhammad. Can you discuss how the 15 core competencies should guide the activities section? Uh, this is a great question. Yeah. You know, we did, uh, Muhammad, uh, we did two years ago, and I think we'll probably come back and do it again next year, uh, a whole series of uh, lectures uh, not really lectures, but a, a workshop series on the core competencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you don't know anything about the core competencies, just Google double AMC core competencies yep. and uh, the double AMC, the American association of American medical colleges has put together. These are what they're looking for in incoming medical students. And they're things like communication skills and humility and, um, you know, just a variety of sort of somewhat basic but well thought through skills that they're looking for. So the question that Muhammad has here is how should knowing that these core competencies exist guide the the way that somebody talks about their activity, the activities that they've gone through in their activity section. What what are your thoughts about this? Uh, Verenio, what do you think? Sure. So um, obviously keeping them front and center and highlighting maybe an event or, you know, a a situation that you've uh, experienced that kind of highlights that competency, uh, you know, about yourself. What you don't want to do is say, well, this is how I displayed humility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to come right out and say it, right, right. right? You want your experience and your description of that experience and that activity to highlight that and to let the reader kind of read between the lines and say, okay, this is an example of how this student, um, you know, fulfills this competency and they're excellent mm-hmm. at it or whatever it is. Right, right. Yeah, so. Awesome. Should I not read into the fact, at least for AMCAS, which is from the AAMC, the AAMC puts out these 15 core competencies. Should I not read into the fact that there are 15 activity spots (laughs) and that one spot should be tailored to each uh, core competency? No, 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 no. Okay, good. No, there's no. Yeah, that's probably happenstance don't don't yeah don't do that yeah Yeah. and the core competencies that the wmc puts out are a guideline uh they they worked with medical schools to to develop this list 
they're not all inclusive. Some medical schools may add some of their own core competencies mm -hmm. that they're looking for. So use it as kind of a, a kind of a rule of thumb, rough guideline, but don't live and die by it. Right. And can I just add, it should it should really be a part of who you are. It's not just, oh, I checked this off. This is part of my application. Here I am. It's who it's a competency. It's something you want to um, live by, <laughs> sort of yeah. to disagree with you a little bit, Ryan, but not live and die by enlisting it in the 15 sections, but more right. so a guiding principle of who you are and who you want to be as a doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Correct. Um, here's an interesting question. Ooh, uh, yeah. Someone apparently wants to get married. How, oh, how Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, hi, I'm planning on taking the MCAT February 2023, so almost a year from now, and apply the following cycle. At the same time, I'm thinking about getting married <laughs> December 2022. Should I push back the honeymoon for MCAT prep? Wow. So I'm, wow. I'm confused. To me, MCAT prep is a honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> what, what else would you do, right? Right. I'm sure his, his future partner might have some input yeah, into that. Exactly. But... Exactly. Oh, That's my god. That's a good gosh. one. Yeah. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, you know, I think that – I, uh, Ryan, I give you credit, number one, for thinking things, thinking this through at such a specific mm -hmm. level and, and really trying to identify what's the timeline going to look like? What am I spending my time doing, et cetera? I, I would say, having been a married guy for, you know, many years and knowing kind of what you want to be able to do on your honeymoon, which is relax and not stress about anything and just kind of have a good time. I think it might be advisable to do that, push back the honeymoon and, you know, take the MCAT and then have that completely off your mind because otherwise that's all you're going to be thinking about over your whole honeymoon is I should be studying for biochemistry right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, you might want to do that. Now, obviously, you're going to want to consult the partner about this. Too. <laughs> yeah, I suppose they should have a say as well. Um, good, good question. Good, yeah, good thinking. That is, that is a good question. Yeah, I like that. There's an interesting MCAT question. Oh, good. It's, so Rachel says, as long as the MCAT score improves the second time compared to the first attempt, does it really matter what you got it, what you got on it the first time? What do you think about that, Verenia? Um, It depends. <laughs> like everything else in this process. <laughs> Some schools would look at one. They'll, you know, then look at the other. They'll, um, they might super score. So it really all depends. Yeah. yeah, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yes, super scoring is less common uh, mm -hmm. compared to college in the SAT world. Um, but there are a few schools. There was a survey that was sent out a couple of years ago uh, from some pre-health advisors. And uh, some of the schools said that they super score, which was very interesting to see. Uh, but the far, far, far majority of schools are just going to care about that high score yeah. slash latest score. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. improve. And it doesn't matter what you get that first time. So yeah. uh, typically this question comes after doing poorly the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, should I even bother going to medical school now? Because I have this 495 on my on my record. I'm like, yeah, improve your score and you're, yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that completely. Yeah. Good. Good, good question, Rachel. Thank you. Um, so this is an interesting one here. Um <sighs> 
Academic integrity. Try hard ninja. Oh, yes. I am working on my committee letter application now. The application says I have to disclose academic integrity reports, even if found not guilty. Should I get the committee letter? How to proceed? Good question. This is, you know, this is, I I would say not a hugely typical question, uh, but it does come up sometimes. And it's, it's very concerning to uh, applicants who are in this situation. And, and, and Ryan, this, this is one that, that, a lot of students that have this situation are very concerned about. Yeah. So yeah. what do you think? I, I, I think it's, it's interesting that the committee would care about this. Um, the fact that it's like we're proven innocent or innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have a report of an academic integrity uh, issue. If you're found not guilty, who cares? Right. Somebody right. thought something they were wrong. Apparently. Right. Um, and they, they kind of go through that process and, and you're, you're not it, right. <laughs> you're, you're not guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would ask the committee, what do you do with this information? Um, here was my situation. Yes. I have a report. I went through the process. I was found not guilty because I wasn't or whatever. Um, why are you asking this question? And is it going to go in, in the letter and make a decision from that? Yeah. I agree with that completely. I, you know, I think it sounds odd to me. I agree with that, that they would, that they would want to know about it, even if they were found not guilty. I, I, I don't understand that completely. So yeah. I, I like, I like that process of going through it and asking them and being point on and saying, you know, what, what's going to happen with this information and, mm-hmm. and why, why do you want to know this? You know? Yeah. yeah. Here's an interesting question. Oh, I'll, I'll Okay, align the bean. All right. <laughs> I did uh, satisfactory, unsatisfactory for organic chemistry one spring of 21 and didn't pass. Going to retake it, but was told that I have to do SU this time as well. Would I be able to explain that to admissions committees? And then a kind Ooh. of a follow up question. Oh, yeah. Should I ask my school to reconsider or should I just start saving money to retake it at a community college? Yeah, this is a, a really good question. And, and, you know, so, you know, from my perspective uh, to this questioner, what, what I would say the first thing you want to do is a super duper amount of reflection on why you did not pass the class. I mean, this mm. it kind of goes without saying, you know, what what was it about OCHEM 1 that really you struggled with? What you know, what was going on? Was it um you know, was it an online situation and, and you didn't connect and it took time to to get to that, you know, get get that going or, you know, what was really going on here? So uh, a heavy amount of reflection is going to be really important here uh, for you. Um, it's a little interesting to me that your undergraduate institution uh, forces you into mm-hmm. a, a satisfactory mm-hmm. unsatisfactory on the second go round as well. Yeah. But that is what it you know, what it is. Mm-hmm. In terms of explaining to the admissions committee, you're you really don't have a whole lot of um, space to do that. I'm not sure this is something no. that you would necessarily want to include in your personal statement. There may be a place in their secondary application where you may be able to address anything. Mm-hmm. Some schools have a kind of an open-ended question that you can 
you know, address this in, but then some schools don't. And so there may not be a, a, an opportunity to explain this to the admissions yeah. committee. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's hard. I, I always am like, that's not fair. Like, yeah. like to force a student yeah. to, to continue to take it pass fail, satisfactory, unsatisfactory. Mm-hmm. Like if she doesn't want to, like why force her? Um, yeah. So it's weird policies there. And so, yeah, ask the school to reconsider and say like, why are you forcing me? I don't want to take it pass fail anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's, it's harder for the school or different mm-hmm. for the school. Right. It's just, it is right. what it is. Yeah. Um, and and I I almost if they're gonna force you pass fail I almost say like yeah go take it somewhere else where you yeah. can take it for a grade yeah mm-hmm. I, I I agree with that I think taking it now I I wonder I worry a little bit about taking it at community yeah. college yeah. if you're if you were taking mm-hmm. it at a at at your four year institution at your university going failing it and then going back and taking it at a community college I don't think is a good a, a good thing to do I think if yeah. you can go to another university and take it and 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 that would be my suggestion Mm -hmm. uh if you're going to do that is to go to another four-year school to do that at. agreed yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. all right fun uh questions activity question yeah eshwar uh if i haven't done more than 40 hours of volunteering should i wait to apply i chose not to volunteer because i wanted i want to avoid getting my grandparents sick and now i'm taking care of someone with cancer so there's a backstory here obviously mm-hmm. yep. that is affecting uh, how many volunteer hours uh that uh that eshwar has um yeah. Verenia, what what are your thoughts on on this question i don't know that i would wait if you know if all things considered if everything is equal i mean you've got um other experiences right now you're caring for someone with cancer um that that reflects you know your empathetic side hopefully um and i'm curious about the 40 hours like is that a set amount that the student has heard somewhere that they need to have for their application so um i guess it would depend on how the rest of your application look but i don't know that i would wait um because you don't have enough you know or whatever 40 hours or more of volunteering hours. right right yeah 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 and we have to assume that eshwar is talking about clinical volunteering right right right? Mm -hmm. and and just to throw it out there clinical experience can be paid or unpaid volunteer Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter one is not better than the other so so don't worry about volunteering eshwar may be out there going well i work as an emt but i thought i needed volunteering hours right so just to clarify that Mm -hmm. and uh verini as you kind of alluded to taking care of someone Mm -hmm. with cancer or whatever that's clinical experience yeah so you can put that as clinical experience in your application as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, and Scott, you, you had this discussion with um, some other deans, directors of admissions and medical schools. Uh, how was, long ago was that now? I think that was um, this time last year. Yeah, for, for inside yeah. med admissions mm-hmm. about how right. COVID was going to affect uh, mm-hmm. the application cycle and admissions. Mm-hmm. And and medical schools they they understand that they get it. experiences are harder and harder to get because yeah. hospitals are um, are restricting who's allowed to be in the hospital and be around patients and everything else, and for specific situations like this where you're around immunocompromised or at risk yeah. individuals, yeah. it makes sense to not want to yeah. put them at risk. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree with that completely. Yeah. So, I agree with apply. That completely. I think we're yeah. all we're all yeah. kind of in the same I, boat. I agree. Apply. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yep.
Yep, I totally yeah. agree with that. And go do e shadowing. Uh, yeah. get, get some of those e shadowing hours yeah. up there. Um, all right, we've talked about this a few times. Yeah, we for, have for the for the youngins. Mm-hmm. Nicole says, "What do you think about BSMD combined programs? Is it worth it, or the traditional process is better?" Verenia, this is a good question because mm-hmm. I think it really goes to those that feel like they want to be on the fast track. You know, mm-hmm. what, what are your thoughts about the, about yeah. this? Yeah, so th- there's pros and cons to it, right? So the pro being on the fast track, um, kind of having a very structured, tailored program that, you know, if you meet the requirements is going to, you know, give you the, the end result of going to medical school. But what are the cons of that? You're time is going to be very limited to sort of live your life as a college student. So if that's something that you've kind of been looking forward to having that experience, you'll have it in in a BSMD program, but it's going to be a little bit more limited. So you really have to know yourself and know what do you want out of your college experience? If you, you know, as you said, um, Dr. Wright, if you are you know, fast tracked through this and you want to do this and you're committed to this, then go for it. Um, but know that with that, you will be sort of, sort of losing out a little bit. I don't want to phrase it that way, but it's, it's not, it's a different experience altogether yeah. than someone who's not in a BSMD program. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I would say that too, you know, I am a very big advocate for the benefit of, a uh, the the college experience mm-hmm. in yeah. and of itself it's not yeah. just a destination to something else right. it is within itself a journey and so i think there are some cool things that happen in those years that you're going to miss and and i agree mm-hmm. with you completely uh Vrenia, about that and so you know I, now that's not to say bsmd programs are bad or you know whatever but i do mm-hmm. i do agree that it takes a lot of thought and they're not for everybody right yeah i i don't like them. Uh, I'll just, I'll be frank uh, for a couple of those reasons, right? Because of the college experience itself and the pressure that it puts mm-hmm. on people mm-hmm. of like, okay, number one, I have the pressure of applying to this program to begin with. Um, and I have to do everything as a high school student to be able to apply to these BSMT programs. And so I'm missing out on some potentially uh, high school experiences. Uh, but then once I'm in, now you're typically for BSMD programs, you're going to be required to meet certain minimums mm-hmm. as uh, for GPA and potentially for an MCAT score in the future. And and that's just external pressure that you don't need. Right. Yeah. Yes. If you want to go to medical school, whether it's BSMD or regular MDDO, like you need to be a good student. Mm-hmm. But going the BSMD route, you're already put into kind of a, a a microscope and and it feels like and i didn't go through a program like this so i can only imagine but it just feels like um you're always being watched you're always yep. being mm-hmm. judged you're not allowed to make a mistake mm-hmm. um and and yes at the end of the day you may lose out on the kind of automatic md portion of that bsmd program and then you just apply like a regular student mm-hmm. but it's just that extra pressure yeah. i just don't think we need yeah and if I could add, um, some BSMD programs limit your choice of major yep. to a specific discipline. So if you're interested in, if you have other interests, you're not going to be able to 
major in that. And we talk about this all the time about your major doesn't really matter. You can major in anything you want. So why not, you know, take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, and have that opportunity. So it's something to keep in mind when you're looking into this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Parents don't like when I talk about like, I don't like BSMD programs. They're like, but I want my child to fly through. And even like AP classes, like I took zero AP classes. in Like I don't need that pressure. Like I just want to take my classes. I want to, I want to do well, but they're like, but it saves money. I'm like, yeah, but does it? Because the medical schools may not even accept it. So You don't know. And guess what? You can still apply to medical school anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So you can. Did they actually have AP classes back then? Oh, Ryan. I don't know. You got more gray than me, my friend. Oh, (laughs) oh, throwing shade my way. Okay. 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 Scott had his coffee today. Yeah. (laughs) Swinging. Our our friend. Oh, uh, yeah. McKenna. Yes, absolutely. WMC FAP gives me 20 schools I can send primaries to for free. So that is the fee assistance program, FAP. Mm-hmm. Should I utilize all 20 if I can fill it with schools I like? I'm Texas resident, so I, I will be applying Texas as well as five-ish DO schools. So this is a this is a sort of a lo- logistical question with regard to how many schools should I apply to? Ryan, what's the what's the latest in terms of the average number of applications? Do, do you recall from from AAMC? Ooh, I haven't looked at the newest, newest data. Uh, last I looked at the data for my application book, it was uh, 17 schools mm-hmm. for MD schools mm-hmm. and nine for DO schools. So mm-hmm. 26 total schools, assuming you applied to both. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had gone up from when I first started looking at the data a few years ago at 14, uh, right. 14 schools. It's right. gone up to 17 schools. Yeah. My assumption, unfortunately, is that it's it's just going to keep going up and up and up Agreed. as students get more and more desperate and more and more concerned about their chances of getting into school. Yeah. And unfortunately, the AMC likes that. Oh, of uh, and they obfuscate the information, the data about what schools are looking for, um, who is an ideal applicant to that school, who has a chance at that school, uh, because the more schools that you apply to the more money the double amc gets absolutely um, and, and it's it's disgusting we we've seen an explosion uh after medical school or in medical school of, of applications to residency programs it has become untenable for residency programs basically students are applying to every single program for the specialty that they're interested in mm-hmm. just and and, and yep. very similar to amcas the AMC is getting money for each of those applications. Yep. So yep, absolutely. So so really, her question: yeah. Should I utilize all twenty if I yeah. can fill it with schools I like? And well, absolutely. If yeah. you're getting them free, mm-hmm. why not? You know, free, 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 free. Yeah, yeah. Free, free, and free. and typically for the AMC schools, at least. Uh, uh, and Scott, you can correct me, but I think there's some automatic communication that says mm-hmm. this is an FAP student, and the secondary is free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and I think McKenna, you know, just to tell just to sort of information wise, you know, you're a Texas resident, you're applying to all the Texas schools or my assumption would be you, you, you'd apply to all the schools in Texas. That's going to be, you know, kind of depending on your, your profile of your application and stuff, you're as a Texas resident, your best chance is going to be in one of those Texas schools. Cause yep. you know, you're really going to have a, a, a much, uh, a, 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 
the, the standards are going to be uh, in your favor because of the way the Texas schools have to take Texas residents. But I, 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 I completely agree. I, I would, I'd utilize all, all that you have. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Good luck, McKenna. Yeah. Good luck. That's right. Oh, and let me just, let me, let me stop for just a second I stop. and say happy birthday to one of my big heroes in life, Dolly Parton. Today is her 76th <laughs> birthday. Oh, Dolly. Happy, happy birthday. birthday, Dolly Parton today. Yeah. And, and Monday I said, se- I celebrated Betty, the Betty White yeah. oh, would have been a hundred years old. Yeah. So close. I, I went know. to my favorite bar and I we <laughs> raised the toast to Betty White and it was wonderful. Uh, did you, nice. you pour one out for Betty? We did. Oh, <laughs> we all right. Did. Um, uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. We've got lots of lots of them on there. Here's yeah, a good one from Yosan. Yeah, I guess it's Yosan. Uh, what is your advice for pre-meds who seem to focus on international work, volunteer and such? Would it reflect poorly on the student, even if it's what they are genuinely interested in? So this is a really good question. I, I, I like this question. This is not one that I think we've spent a whole lot of time on. Uh, and, and, you know, this would address somebody who maybe does a lot of mission work and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, going on mission trips and, and really has this idea of maybe, maybe they anticipate a career in, with doctors without borders or, you know, something, something, something to that effect. And, you know, how is this going to be viewed by, uh, by admissions committees in, in, in general? And, and, and I think this is a good question. And Ryan, my sense of this uh, is, is that, um, you know, medical schools are, are definitely interested in sort of global medicine. There's a lot of medical schools that have global mm-hmm. medicine programs, yep. uh, but particularly state-supported medical schools, they're going to be looking for students who are going to be serving mm-hmm. their state's population. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's kind of my feeling is it could go either way. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, exactly that. Uh, depending on the school's mission and a lot of those public schools, their mission is to serve the population of that state, both uh, as a medical student, kind of going out and doing your clinical rotations and supporting the hospitals in that manner, but also ideally staying and doing residency and and uh, potentially being an attending in that state to serve the, that community. Um they may not like that if if a lot of your experiences and it looks like your kind of perfect world is you're out in an international setting, whether it's with Doctors Without Borders or whatever, um, they may not like that. Uh, but it's very similar to uh, students who are like, should I put this red flag or this kind of mental health, whatever, on my application? And the answer is always you need to be yourself. Yep. Yep. Um, and if your passions are around international medicine uh, and serving the international community, well, great. We need that, too. Yep. Um, and so do a lot of diligence with picking the medical schools, researching programs that they have. A lot of medical schools have international partners um, where you could potentially go as a third, fourth year student and do some international work in medical school. Find those schools, apply to those schools, and and you will feel supported at those schools yeah. versus hiding the fact that you are very interested in international work and being miserable that you can't be yourself mm-hmm. while you're at school. Yeah, yeah. I agree completely. Yep. So. Yep. Good, good response. Got to be yourself. Yep. Uh, 
Ghani. Yeah, hey, Ghani. Uh, as a non-traditional student, I joined the military right after high school and am now taking a traditional route through school. How should I split activities on the AMCAS application? Should I should I split my duties up or clump them? Yeah, this is a really good question. It, this is one that comes up, I would say, not unusually. Uh, and uh, Vrini, what are your thoughts about, you know, if she's got a whole bunch of, uh, of stuff or I guess um, has a whole lot of activities and stuff related to the military, um, what, what should they do with it? Um, I, would, I would separate them. Depending on the activities, obviously, um, and let's say you had something that overlapped, right? We always talk about maybe splitting the hours and kind of calculating how many hours you've done in this activity and that activity. But um, if you're not lacking and you have plenty to fill in, you know, all 15, then you can, you know, kind of clump together a few that are um, sort of fall into the same categories. But I would, you know, depending again on the activity, I would, I would separate them. Yeah, it's very common uh, for military members to have uh, wear lots of hats. And so yep. you're kind of uh, whether you're a medic or whatever your your kind of job duty is, main, main duty, you have lots of other things that you're doing. And so it, it can get confusing and challenging to kind of try to paint a picture uh, mm -hmm. of everything you've done. And I, I typically tell students, like, don't worry about painting a picture of everything because it's mm -hmm. it's a lot. It's overwhelming. Um focus on kind of your big uh, accomplishments and um, uh, attributions isn't the right word. <laughs> what I'm trying to, yeah. trying right. to say, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. but not even attributes, um, how, how you attribute it. And I, can, I am not good with English. Just leave me alone. Um, uh, <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> how, how you, how you impacted whatever you were doing. And, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, the, the best thing to do is just create a big giant list of everything, uh, military, non-military, what you're doing now, what you did then, and then just start massaging mm -hmm. it. And, and mm -hmm. you're going to start out with 25 things and go, okay, these three things aren't really super impactful, don't really show who I am, but I really like these two, but I can probably combine them. So uh, there are no rules when it comes to the activity section. And mm -hmm. so you have right. a lot of flexibility there. That's My right. assumption is the military is going to be a most meaningful activity. And so you're going to have some extra space there mm -hmm. as well to focus on that. And uh, Ghani, I, I would love to give you um, a free year of mapped. Yes. Um, so that you can, you can enter in all of your activities mm -hmm. and your yeah. grades and everything. Yeah. And then yeah. you can then chat with one of our advisors and say, yeah. okay, like I have all my activities. Like, mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts or ideas here? So we can yeah. go a little bit more nuanced on your application. So Ghani, if you're still here, uh, yeah. email info at mapped.com and we'll get you set up there. Yeah, awesome. definitely. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Good for you, Ghani. I like being like Oprah. Like, you get mapped. <laughs> you get mapped. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, da, 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 da. All right. Here's a good one. Is AJ. it clinical? Oh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we hadn't had one yet. <laughs> right? I give vaccinations at work every day as a pharmacy tech. Gotten different opinions from every dean I've spoken with. Some say it is patient care. Some say no. I, kn I know I don't want to be a pharmacist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is a good question. And this is a, a definitely a, uh, is it clinical question? And, you know, 
for me to look at this, if if I was, you know, asked the question, is this clinical? I would say absolutely, it's clinical. Uh, you're, you're interacting with a patient. You're poking them in the arm or whatever with a with a needle. I mean, I don't know how much more clinical you want that to yeah. you want to get. I mean, I would say, yeah, it's clinical. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you guys think? I, I agree. I think so. Um, you know, it's um, it's one of those things where I would put it as clinical and then let the medical schools decide. Um, but, you know, when I went you know, and I got my COVID shot, it, it wasn't, you know, the cashier person that was doing it. It was somebody who was trained on how to administer a vaccine. So yeah. that's, you know, that's just training. It's clinical. So, yeah, I see it as clinical. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Ryan. So, so here's a, a good potential example of where you can split things up. So typically I say being a pharmacy tech is not clinical experience. Right. It's right. retail experience. Correct. But being a vaccination tech, if you <laughs> want to call it that, is definitely clinical experience. Yeah. Yeah. So you could massage this again, going back to the activity section has no rules and say, okay, I've done a hundred hours working at CVS, 95 hours. I'm a pharmacy tech, but five hours I was doing vaccines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you're gonna have five hours as a, a COVID vaccine tech or whatever you want to call it uh, as clinical experience. And then 95 hours as a pharmacy tech as non-clinical. Yep. But again, as Vernia, you mentioned, if you want to market as clinical, great. And, and let the medical schools decide. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's right. If you've got a good, reason for doing it and you can support that reason right. in an interview yep. then that's you know whether they agree with it or not if you can you know make a good contention about it and say this is why i said it was clinical etc then i think for for most of the medical schools they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt on that yeah yep yep Here's an interesting question. Scott. Oh, Sheehan, good. Is it possible to apply to an MD-PhD program in the middle of your first or second year at a grad school? I plan to apply to an MD-PhD, but I understand how competitive it is. And so this is – here's another kind of logistical uh, question. And and my, my sense of this, Sheehan, is that, yes, it is possible at some medical schools. There are some schools where they will have a process for you to be a medical student and then, then at a later point enter into their combined MD-PhD program. Some medical schools, that's not going to be possible. So I think it's going to be a, a individual decision based on uh, the individual medical schools. So my sense, however, is if you make a good contention for yourself, you do well in, the, in your first year uh, of medical school, uh, and, and you clearly have a... a, a um, you know, a really good uh, sense about research and, and you can make the contention that I think some, uh, a lot of the medical schools are going to say, yeah, we'd be interested in, in, in talking to you about entering into the MD PhD program because MD PhD programs are typically very, you know, small. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot of students in them. And, uh, and they are interested in people who are going to be physician scientists. And, uh, and this would be something that, you know, I think that, uh, you you could look at, but I, I would say it's gonna it's gonna vary by medical school. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Ryan, on this? Yeah, it's just gonna vary, and, and I'm a little confused. Like, is the grad 
school program yeah. the phd program or is it something mm -hmm. yeah. completely unrelated? yeah that would be so, the, yeah mm -hmm. i, agree. I was yeah. thinking that too yeah interesting all right um here's a, a fun one. Oh, good aziz i'm an international student with a foreign degree does it matter if i take my second undergraduate degree in canada or the u.s will a u.s degree hold more weight than a canadian one ah good question okay. so they Very understand good. that yep. foreign degree isn't yep. uh, isn't useful that's right. right. That's right. Good, good follow-up question. Yeah, that's that. This is a really good question, and and what I would say is that, in my estimation, I think it really wouldn't matter because most medical schools in the U.S. are going to see a Canadian degree as the equivalent right. of a U.S. degree, yeah. as opposed to if you had gone and had had a degree from you know Spain or from mm -hmm. Japan or wherever. UK, and so, Germany, anywhere. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Anywhere outside of Canada or the U.S. And so I don't think it would really matter. The the undergraduate degree being from the Canada or the U.S. would, yep. would be the okay. same either way. Yep. That would yeah. be my feeling about mm -hmm. that one. I you guys agree. agree? You guys agree with that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's an interesting rigor, credit Ooh, rigor question. Oh, good. Uh, Anna says, I graduated with a 383 uh, science GPA, a 388 cumulative. I have one year of 15, 16 hours, but the rest semesters are, are 10 to 13 hours due to having a large amount of dual credit from high school. Will this look non-rigorous to a mm. admissions committee? Good question. Yeah, this is a good question. What are your thoughts here, Vernie? I mean, this is, this is one of those questions where it's, you know, I mean, it's embedded with a variety of different things here. We have one year of 15 to 16. So mm -hmm. uh, as uh, Anna is, is concerned about the rigor with regard to how many classes she's taking. Um, so what do you, what are your thoughts it, here? Potentially. I mean, it depends on what she's been taking. What are those 10 to 13 credits? You know, are they, you know, underwater basket weaving or are they? That was what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Or is it, you know, science, you know, upper level courses? So um, Anna doesn't say here, but could they, you know, it could. It could potentially look um, as a non-rigorous schedule and something yeah. that you might have to address, you know, in a secondary or, you know, or maybe in an interview or something if they asked. Also, right. you know, you were kind of, you know, hanging out your college years, taking 12 credits. So right, right, right. Ryan, what, what, what are your thoughts? It's it's one of those nitpicky things mm -hmm. that um, uh, I I typically will say like that's a very micro question yeah. macro big picture you have great grades mm -hmm. um, yes. and yes. obviously some dual enrollment that'll be known on the on your application so yeah. it is what it is you can't change anything at this point right. uh, I wouldn't say you need to go waste some money and go take a sixteen right. eighteen credit hours right. for another semester or two so. Right. Yeah, I agree. Just, it is what it is. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that this is a good example. And I'm not I'm not going to say that I'm throwing shade at you or anything. What I, what I am saying is you're overthinking this a little bit. <laughs> it is what it is. Right. I agree with Ryan completely. Just, you know, if, if a question comes up, just address it. I had a whole bunch of credits from from uh, mm -hmm. high school. And and, you know, that's the reason for for uh, not having, you know, as many in a, in a given semester. Yeah. Um, 
I want to understand, uh, uh, Verini, I'm tasking you with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know where underwater basket <laughs> weaving comes from, <laughs> where that so <laughs> where that course comes from. I don't know, but I would love to take it. Um, I have yeah. I, I worked with a young lady from Australia. She was the first person years ago that ever mentioned it, and it just stuck with me. <laughs> uh, maybe yeah. it was an Australian thing, an Aussie thing. I don't know. Oh, I thought it was just a joke, but <laughs> I've heard it before. Course. Yeah, that'd be very interesting. the the other uh, The other course that we that I always talk about for um for like the, the easy course is rocks for jocks. <laughs> yep, <laughs> the yep. geology course. I yep. never heard that one. Rocks for yep. jocks. Okay. Yep. So I look. I just googled it, by yep. the way, and okay. it says underwater basket weaving is an idiom referring pejoratively to supposedly useless or absurd <laughs> college or university courses. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I understand <laughs> that. Where does it come from, though? That's what I yeah, want to say. The etymology is not down here, so I don't know. That's the follow-up. The follow-up <laughs> question is: Is underwater basket weaving an Olympic sport? And I, I think we can all pretty much agree that no, the answer to that is no. But the question <laughs> should be: Should it be? Yeah. Right. And speaking of sports, speaking Spencer of sports. has a good question. Here we go. What are your thoughts of putting collegiate level sports on an application? This is a great question. And I, I like this because it really does apply to a lot of our applicants. Okay. Uh, we really have. Uh, and, and what I would differentiate here, Spencer, is whether the whether the the sport is a is a. Uh, varsity sport or is it a intramural or intercollege kind of sport? I think a lot of admissions committees recognize that that varsity sports players have a lot of stuff they have to do and uh, involves a lot of time commitment of a lot of your energy. It really, you know, that there's a differentiation between those that have, that are varsity sports players of, of whatever type and those that are just playing, you know, just kind of for just kicks. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely think that putting that either way, I think they're worth putting on an application, uh, whether, whether you're doing it as a varsity athlete or whether you're doing it as just for relaxation and stuff. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that says to an admissions committee, this person is a three dimensional person. They have interests and they do things and they, they have fun and they enjoy themselves, uh, not at the expense of their GPA, of course. But um, so I would say, Spencer, yeah, put it on the application, particularly if you're a varsity athlete. But even even just, you know, playing sports for, for kicks, I think it's worth going on there if you have yeah. the space for it. So what, Verenia, what are your thoughts on this one? Oh, I completely agree. I worked with a postback student who um, was a baseball player, varsity baseball player, and, and he went on and actually had a contract with the Mets. I can't remember his name right now, but anyway, so <laughs> that was a big part of his story though. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you know, obviously that's varsity level, but I agree with you. I think even if you're if you're active in your intramural clubs, mm-hmm. um, that's still valuable. You yeah. know, leadership experience and and skills that you're learning from that. Yeah, yeah. the the heart of this question is one that I, I want to tackle outside of sports because the the heart of this question to me is sports isn't medically related should right. i put it on my application right, right. and right. it's a big mistake we see a lot where students have these amazing uh non-traditional careers 
or jobs while they're working in college that they don't mention in their personal statement or not personal statement in their activity section on their application because it's not medical Mm -hmm. thinking mistakenly that only medically related activities go on the application. And that's Mm -hmm. the furthest from the truth. So whether you're the manager at the local Walmart or you're the captain of the football team, non-medical mm-hmm. things can and should go on your application. Yep, absolutely. And you can learn a lot from, you know, you can talk a lot about what you learn in those experiences. I mean, they're they're very uh, rich in terms mm-hmm. of meaningfulness to to a lot of applicants and, and so I completely agree with that, Ryan. Good. Yeah. Good, good point. I I had a, a student once who was a a powerlifter, um mm-hmm. competitive powerlifter and she she put it on her application and was a most meaningful because it was a big part of her life. And she said all of her interviews, like that's just all they wanted to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Like, yes, that's yeah. how it works. Yeah. Um, I think we've got time for maybe one or two more. Yeah, we're, we're going to go go into a kind of a multi-part in-depth one here from Shaquille that I think is is really interesting and and pertinent for a lot yeah. of people so I'll, I'll scroll through as you read because it's yeah. a couple oh okay parts here. good shaquille says i feel like i'm late in the game and running out of time i just started studying for the mcat but i never knew to do clinical hours shadowing research other components to make me a competitive student i have enough life experience to write two personal statements but not enough medical experience to be competitive should I just wait and do what I can to gain more medical experience before applying? Or should I apply for medical schools after taking the MCAT despite the lack of medical experience? This is a really good, mm-hmm. a fundamentally important question. And, you know, Ryan, what I would what I would ask here is what is the importance of clinical activity and, 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 and volunteer activity uh, to start with? Why, why do medical schools care about that? Well, obviously, it's just to check a box off, and then that's yeah. just kind of their requirements. <laughs> uh, that's what students think, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I have to do this so medical schools see that I did it so that I can get in. And fundamentally, I want all of you to switch your thinking into this is for me. Mm-hmm. I need to understand that I like being around patients. Mm-hmm. I need to understand that I know what the doctor's doing day in and day out outside of patient care. And I am okay with that. I will enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, the clinical experience in shadowing is for you mm-hmm. to confirm that this is what you want. Not because you like scrubs or Grey's Anatomy or mm-hmm. the good doctor or resident right. or whatever right. the, the right. doctor show of the day is. It's for you to understand. And then for you to then convey to medical schools through your personal statement, your interviewing, et cetera, why it is that you need to be a doctor. Going back to that, that earlier comment of the student who was struggling in her interview and the interviewer stopped her and said, you had an amazing personal statement. We knew why you wanted to be here. Yeah. Without clinical experience, without shadowing, I don't think you can do that. Yeah, I agree. Brenny, do you think it- that he should apply or not? Uh, no, I would wait. I mean, the, yeah. the, the idea that you can write two personal statements based on your life experiences, that's great. But what does that have to do with wanting to be a doctor? Yeah. What does that have to do with 
pursuing this as a, as a career. So that's what you have to think about. And that's what the whole purpose of these, you know, experiences and clinical experiences, uh, uh, it, that's the whole purpose of that. Mm -hmm. um, not to, like Ryan was just saying, not to check off a box, but to show that, yeah, I've looked into this. This is what I want to do because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think I think that's a great question to sort of end drop our mics on yeah right um, <laughs> for the day because yeah. you know remember this is not for the school this is for your own mm -hmm. um knowledge your own exploration of of this field yeah yeah i agree i i and shaquille i would say to 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 end out that that conversation is just to say that i i think you want to maximize that first application mm -hmm. and if waiting a year uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal to wait one year. Mm -hmm. And I would say Absolutely. you're going to benefit by waiting that year, getting those experiences, really satisfying exactly what Dr. Gray is saying in terms of, yeah, this is it. This is exactly what I want to do. And that's going to enable you to have a much more compelling, uh, mm -hmm. compelling application. Yeah. We are at our time. I know we did not get to every question. Thank you all for coming and asking wow. amazing questions. We're yes. here every week, almost every week at 1 p.m. Eastern here on Ask the Dean. I do Instagram Lives uh, myself on Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern. And I just threw up a code. Use, uh, use this code 30 days free at mapped.com to get 30 days of free access to, to everything that mapped has to offer, mm -hmm. including chatting with one of us in, mm -hmm. inside of mapped yep. after you put in your grades and activities and everything, you can then just have a private conversation with one of us inside of mapped. It's one of our newest features and is now included in the trial as well. Yeah. So go check it out. Yeah. Thank you all for being here. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.